You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Uh, Happy Mother's Day. It's an honor to be here to share with you today. Uh, If there's one thing that I love, it's uh, sharing the word of God. Uh, I like to teach a lot of things, but the word of God just surpasses it all. It is amazing in every way and So it's a blessing for me to be here today uh, to speak the word to you. I pray that your hearts are encouraged by the time that we're done. Um, So before I start, may I read you a poem? Is that okay? Uh, Of course, most of you know that literature is near and dear to my heart. So I'm going to, I'd like to read a poem uh, by Maya Angelou, who recently, a few years back, uh, passed on. She's an amazing woman, an amazing woman. Her poem is, Mother, a Cradle to Hold Me. It is true I was created in you. It is also true that you were created for me. I owned your voice, and it was shaped and tuned to soothe me. Your arms were molded into a cradle to hold me, to rock me. The scent of your body was the air perfumed for me to breathe. Mother, during those early, dearest days, I did not dream that you had a large life which included me, for I had a life which was only you. Time passed steadily and drew us apart. I was unwilling. I feared if I let you go, you would leave me eternally. You smiled at my fears, saying I could not stay in your lap forever. That one day you would have to stand, and where would I be? You smiled again. I did not. Without warning, you left me, but you returned immediately. You left again and returned. I admit quickly, but relief did not rest with me easily. You left me again, but returned again. You left me again, but returned again. Each time you reentered my world, you brought assurance. Slowly, I gained confidence. You thought you know me, but I did know you. You thought you were watching me. But I did hold you secretly in my sight, recording every moment, memorizing your smiles, tracing your frowns. In your absence, I rehearsed you, the way you had of singing on a breeze while a sob lay at the root of your song. The way you posed your head so that the light could caress your face when you put your fingers on my hand and your hand on my arm. I was blessed with a sense of health, of strength, and very good fortune. You are always the heart of happiness to me, bringing nuggets of glee, sweets of open laughter. During the years when you knew nothing and I knew everything, I loved you still, condescendingly, of course, from my high perch of teenage wisdom. I grew older and was stunned to find how much knowledge you had gleaned, and so quickly. Mother, I have learned enough now to know I have learned nearly nothing. On this day when mothers are being honored, let me thank you that my selfishness, ignorance, and mockery did not bring you to discard me like a broken doll which had lost its favor. I thank you that you still find something in me to cherish, to admire, and to love. I thank you, Mother. I love you. I think in some ways we all sort of feel like that, right? We appreciate mothers for all that they 
do, but not just all that they do. It's who they are, right? It's who they are. You know, we become mothers, and that never changes, right? We were once you're a mother, you're always a mother. For better or for ill, please forgive us. We're not perfect. Um, but, you know, we, all, we have to honor those to who, whom honor is due. And the dads will have their day. But today is the day that we just want to spoil our moms a little bit. So make sure you spoil your mom a little bit. Um, so today I would like to uh, preach a message that's called Confidence in the Creator. We're going to be looking at Psalm 27 today. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up there. Uh, or if you have it on your phone or tablet or whatever. Uh, one thing that, um, how, how I'd like to start is, uh, the reason why I ended up um, preaching on Psalm 27 today is because my life verse comes from this psalm. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that phrase. Uh, a life verse is a verse that somehow has marked your life. So we know that the Word of God speaks, right? And we use that metaphorically. So the Bible doesn't actually like talk to me like I'm talking to you today. But we know that God speaks through his word. We know that when we're reading the word of God or when we're hearing the word of God, there are things that like they prick our heart. We go, oh, wow, yeah, that fits exactly what I'm going through right now. We just have a sense that God is moving us, telling us something through that verse. So there's various um, times in your life where the Word of God will um, kind of catch you and uh, speak to you. It's something that resonates. And so for some of us, it's a directional thing, maybe a particular time in our life where we need direction or guidance or encouragement, and there's certain verses that will pop out. But there are uh, what we call life verses, and what that is is a verse that sort of encapsulates who you are, like your heart, your soul, um, your perspective. So, uh, you know, as we look at the word, there, there are three, three verses that have marked my life. One of them is my life verse, and that's uh, Psalm 27, verse 4, that says, One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. The King James says, because I used to have a King James, to inquire in his temple. I love that. So if you were to take Stephanie and boil her down, the essence of Stephanie, (laughs) and put it in a bottle, that verse would be me. Like, that's my heart. That's my spirit. There is nothing more that I love than to see God everywhere, to be in his presence, to inquire in his... I love to pray. I pray for people ever since I was little. You know, when I was little, I would go to bed and I'd go through all the list of my pets. I'd pray for all my cats and my dog and my family, and and I was always praying for other people. What do I love to do? I love to pray. I love to talk to Jesus. Everybody says to me, I love it when you pray on Sunday mornings, which I appreciate. It's just, I just love to be with the Lord. And sometimes I know I get long, so I apologize about that. But this is my life verse. Do you have a life verse? Do you have a verse 
that sort of is, that's your go-to verse. That's what's marked your life. And if you don't, ask God to give you one. You know, Jesus said, if you have not, just ask, and he'll give it to you. And so um, there's other, you know, there's lots of verses that I could go to. I have a ministry verse, uh, you know, John 21, 16 would be my ministry calling verse. And then Samuel 12, 23 is another verse sort of um, in terms of a specific calling connected to this particular verse that I've shared. But you know, uh, our creator has formed us. He knows us. And so he, he knows why you're here. He knows what he wants you to do. But most importantly, who you are just with him alone. That's what's important. So each of us should have a life verse, something that resonates with your spirit, something that expresses the desire of your heart or describes your relationship with, with God. And this is how you're wired. So um, what I want to do today is I just kind of decided, you know, I don't get to speak very often. You hear from my husband a lot. <laughs> um, and so I don't, I, in thinking about what I wanted to preach today, I just said, you know, I think I just want to preach my life verse. I just want to preach the psalm where that came come from. So as I sat down and I went through the psalm, I came up some, with some really interesting and neat observations that I would like to share with you today. And you know, I've read the psalm many, many times before. But the truths of God's word, you can never plummet. There are always new things for you to see. And so I found some new things. And I'm excited to share them with you today. So first, what I want to do is read through the whole psalm for you, okay? So I'm in Psalm 27. uh, And you can follow along with me in your Bible. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, though my uh, my heart will not fear, though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? 
so beautiful. I love words because words express what's inside our hearts and our spirits. And some people do it better than we do, right? I think that's one of the reasons why I love literature so much, that I love language and words so much, is because so many people say things in such beautiful ways that I could never do. And it's really cool. This psalm, for me, when I look at this psalm, I can pull out one very important main idea from this whole psalm, and that is confidence. The whole theme of this psalm is confidence. And confidence is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something that we have full trust in the reliability of a person or a thing. There's no wavering. When we have confidence in something, we know that it's going to happen. We know that it's going to work or whatever. So we have no doubts about it. But confidence has to be placed in something, right? So when I, uh, you know, drive down the street, I place my confidence in other drivers to stay on their side of the road, right? So my confidence has to be in something. My confidence is in, uh, you know, my kids to get their chores done on Saturday morning, right? I have to place my confidence in them, how they've demonstrated that they're faithful, and I know it's going to get done. Uh, So in the same way that we have to place our confidence in something, we have to place our confidence in God, in who he is and not in what he can do for us. Because if our confidence is only in, yeah, he gives me this, he gives me that, he gives me this, then there's a limit to that confidence. So for example, my husband and I, uh, we've known each other for almost 25 years now. It's hard to believe. But I know that if I need something, I have confidence that all I have to do is ask him, and he'll be right there to help me, right? And I don't doubt that. I don't, wor- I don't walk around every day and go, oh, I wonder if Pastor Dan's going to help me today. I, what am I going to do if I get a flat tire? What am I, gonna-? I don't walk around like being worried. All I know is that I just need to shoot him a text. Uh, I'm stuck. Help me out, right? And he'll be there. Uh, if I need one of the kids picked up from school because, you know, I'm stuck in Springfield or whatever, he's like, yep, I'm on it. I have confidence to know that whatever I ask him to help me out with, he's going to help me with, right? And that confidence comes from our relationship. You might have a friend or something like that. So we have to have confidence in who God is. We have to have confidence in our relationship with him. Because if we're worrying about that, then we, our confidence is going to come to an end. We're not going to see what we need to see. So anyway, the whole theme of this psalm is confidence. The tone is confident. Even his requests, even his prayers, the tone of his prayers are confidence. We're going to look at that in a minute. The character of our, of our narrator of the book of Psalms, the king of David, has confidence as he talks. I know you are there. I know you are hearing. Okay? He has confidence in the past. He has confidence in the future. He has confidence in the present. We're going to look at all these wonderful things that I pulled right out of this psalm, and you can do this too. But before we go do this, I need to take you back a little bit to like fourth grade. Can I do this for a second? 
because this is kind of important for what we're going to look at. The reason why we can pull out the theme of this, the, co- the, the confident aspect of the psalm, is because there's different ways that he presents these things. And if you remember, all the way back in fourth grade, there are four kinds of sentences. Sorry is who I am. There's four kinds of sentences, right? The first kind of sentence is a declarative sentence. A declarative sentence makes a statement. usually ends with a period, right? It just makes a fact. This is the way that it is. We also have uh, interrogatives. Interrogatives ask questions. What's the weather today? Question mark, right? Just a question. We also have what are called imperatives, and an imperative is just a command. Shut the door. Pick up your wet towel, (laughs) right? Moms, we like these imperatives. It's a command. It's it's a request, but it's a command. Do this. And the, the implied subject is you. And then we also have exclamatory, so sentences that express great emotion, like, it's too dangerous to climb that mountain but your kid goes and does it anyway, right? So we have these four sentences, declarative, interrogative, imperative, and exclamatory. I know you glazed over. It's okay. Hang on. You'll see in a second. So when we go to this psalm, what I want you to do is notice (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to notice the kinds of sentences that King David uses in this psalm, okay? Now, this looks really complicated, but it's not. All we're going to do is we're going to look at each verse, and we're going to kind of look at how he phrases things and how our prayer lives should match that, okay? The language of everything about Psalm 27 is confidence in his relationship in God. Ooh, there we go. (laughs) You'll have to forgive me. Um, So when we look at verse 1, we see that... Uh, David declares, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Is, present tense. Guess what? God is God. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he lives always in the present. He wasn't the God of yesterday. He was, he's not just the God of tomorrow. Right now, where I am, he is, and the Lord is. That is declaring God in the present, stating the fact And the question here, whom shall I fear, is an interesting question because it's a question, but it actually is a rhetorical question. And we're not going to get into rhetoric, but it doesn't really need an answer, does it? That's that kind of question. It's really more like a statement. There's nobody that I need to fear because the Lord is my light and my salvation. So even his question here is phrased as a truth, as a statement, right? Verse uh, 2. Did I go the wrong way again? Ugh, Dan, you're gonna ha- you might have to help me out here. Okay. Verse 2 says, When evil men advance against me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will. So here's when... X happens, right? We all have this. When stuff happens in my life, and you may not have evil foes 
chasing after you like King David did. He did. He actually had people chasing him for his life. Notice the declaration here. When it happens in the future, they will not succeed. So when we pray, we have confidence to know that whatever happens in the future, God's got it. It's not going to overtake us. It doesn't matter what it is. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter what it is. God will always have victory. It may not be how you think. It may not be the way you want it to happen, but we, he will always overcome. So we are declaring not just in the present, but here we see David declaring in the future when things happen. Notice the next one. Okay, the next one in verse 3. Even though, ready, though an army besiege me, though war break out against me, even then, okay, though, this is an extreme scenario. If an army comes at me, individual, right? Like, this is overwhelming extreme odds coming at me right now. So even though that's happening, I will be confident. Even though the odds are stacked against me, I have confidence in who Jesus is. I have confidence in my relationship with the Lord to know that if I call out for help, he's got my back. It doesn't matter what the odds are. It doesn't matter the size of that thing that's coming after you or that you're dealing with right now. God has it. Do you have confidence in your relationship with God to know, yep, there's an army of like a thousand coming at me, individual me. God's got it. Don't know how, but he's got it. Because I know my God is faithful. So we are declaring about ourselves. We're saying, you know what? I am going to choose to be confident. I am going to know that God is going to come through for me. Verse 4 is another interrogative. It's a question. And this, of course, is my life verse. It's requesting something of the Lord, right? It's requesting that we can live with the Lord all the days of our life, to dwell in his house, right? But here's what's interesting. Do you see a question mark? There's no question mark in that verse. But it's a request, is it not? So there's no begging, there's no pleading, there's no whining. Lord, I just have one request. I just want to be with you. And you know what the Lord says? Granted. You got it. Do you know why? Because Christ came to die on the cross so that you could forever know him and dwell with him. Not just in the future, in eternity, but right now. I dwell with Jesus right now. Do you you live with Jesus right now? Like, is he part of who you are? Like, is he part of your life? See, the moment you accept Christ as your Savior, you are living with him forever, starting right there. It's not just a future thing. Isn't that awesome? 
Isn't that awesome? It's so exciting. So we desire the presence. This is a, a life request. It's a request, but it's David, David's confidence is so great, he doesn't even need to put a question mark on it. He just knows God's good, and God's going to grant him presence. Verse 5, ready? So we had a declaration about ourselves in verse 3. We had a life request. I just want to see you. I just want to be with you. Verse 5 is a declaration about him. Ready? For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. He will hide me, and he will set me on a high rock. He will. There's no going back and forth about that. There's no, maybe Jesus will save me today. Nope, there's none of that. He will. How do we know that? Because his word tells us that over and over and over and over and over again. And when God repeats something, it's important, right? So we have confidence to know that he will keep us safe through everything. I want you to know something, notice something interesting. He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will keep me safe in his tabernacle. And he will set me on a rock. Dwelling, tabernacle, rock. Hmm. You know, in the book of Colossians, it says that we are hidden in Christ. Right? And the church is created in him, in the work that he did in his cross. And the Bible also tells me that he is my rock. He's the cornerstone, correct? I wonder if this is a little bit of Jesus in here. He will keep me safe in Jesus. He will hide me in Jesus. He will set my feet on Jesus. Isn't that cool? Because Jesus is our rock. And later on we see, oh God, my Savior. Jesus is our Savior. Awesome. Did I go the right way? <laughs> Verse 6. Okay, ready? Verse 6. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Guess what? His prayer is not even answered yet, and he's already doing what? Praising. He's singing. He's praising. He, it's an exclamatory. This is showing his emotion. Listen, I know God, my God's going to come through for me so I can rejoice before it even happens. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm super happy, right? We, we deal with very raw reality sometimes. And this is not a generated happiness. That's not what I'm talking about. It's a confidence that I can praise God and sing praises to his name. Because I know he's going to come through for me, even if I haven't seen it yet. Now, I don't know if you remember the Old Testament story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho. But what did they always put first? The singers, right? The worship team. Why do we sing first? Because it's, it, there's a spiritual principle there. When we sing and we make praises unto the Lord, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And he, it goes ahead and he fights the battle for us while we're praising, right? So before we even get to the climax and the request of this whole thing, 
David's already praising. He's already exclaiming about the goodness of God, and he hasn't even seen anything happen yet. That's confidence, right? That's knowing who Christ is. Okay, now we get to the dead center of this psalm. The climax of the psalm, when your life is hanging in the balance. See what I did there with that little illustration? I did that myself. When your life is hanging in the balance, right? We know that God is there. We know that he is good. But sometimes we just feel like it could go either way because we have emotions and some days feel better than others. And that's a reality, right? And so we have to give ourselves permission to acknowledge that. It's okay if you feel like your life is hanging in the balance. I don't know which way this is going to go because we don't know the future. That's just part of it. So what happens when our life is hanging in the balance? Verse 7 says, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. Notice that that is an imperative. It's a request. He is asking God for something, but it's actually phrased, you hear me, right? There's no begging. There's no pleading. Hear my voice, O Lord. Hear my voice. So this is what we are crying out. Our voice is crying out to God in confidence. And our heart says, verse 8, me, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. So I'm crying out to God with my voice. And my heart has to say, this is what I'm looking for. And what we have to be looking for in everything that we experience, and this is hard sometimes, what we have to look for in everything that we go through is the face of God. We have to look for his presence. We're not looking necessarily. We can't focus on the answer. We have to look for the presence of God because in his presence is where all the answers are found right? And so what happens is, you know, in the New Testament, uh, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, right? Remember this from the book of James, correct? All right. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, all right? So I'm just going to be your visual here for a minute. When my life is hanging in the balance and my voice is saying, Oh, Lord, please help me. Oh, Lord, I don't know what I want. You know, I need, I need answers. You're there, and I'm saying, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you're going to get through for me. But my heart is going, he's not going to come through. If I have doubt in my heart about God coming through, then my heart's not in the right place. And guess what? slippery slope. And that's where our instability comes. Our voice isn't matching our heart. 
And that's one of the reasons why David is a man after God's own heart, because David was very real with what was happening in his heart. He had, you read through the Psalms, he had some, he was angry. God, I'm angry. So his voice matched his heart. God, I'm so grateful. His voice matched the thankfulness of his heart. God, I need an answer right now. And I know you can come through for me. His voice, the words that he was speaking matched what was in his heart. But we get into trouble when the things that we say don't line up with what's happening in our heart. Now listen, let me tell you, God doesn't care if you're having doubts. He he doesn't care. Okay, how do I phrase this? He can handle your doubt. He can handle if you're doubting him. He can handle if you're angry at him. And yes, there are moments in life we get angry at him. But what he can't handle is when what you're saying isn't matching what's really in here. That's where the double-mindedness throws us off in our relationship with God. God says, just be honest with me. You're angry with me, aren't you? Yes, Lord, I'm mad. How could you do this to me? You've got to get it out. Whatever's in here has to come out. It has to. Or you're unstable. Yeah, oh, I come to church on Sunday morning and I preach to these wonderful people at Living Hope Church and I say, God's going to come through for you. And in the meantime, in my heart, I go, wow, I don't know, is God really going to heal my father-in-law? And if there's doubt in there, I have to confess that and say, Lord, I don't really know. I don't know if I can believe you for this right now. Can you help me? And that's when God meets us, you see, with his presence. And God appreciates us being honest and open, and that's all he wants. Listen, it's okay. Yes, we pray for miracles. We believe for things. God just wants you to pour out your heart, right? Pour out your heart. Don't make it up. Don't say words just to say them. Because it's not going to equal confidence in who God is. And so here we have the tipping point of the psalm. Here David's heart is reflecting his voice. I have confidence in who God is. And I am going to seek what? His face. You know the old expression, seek his face, don't seek his hand? You know that expression? You heard that before? For younger people that don't understand, you might hear older people say, seek the Lord's face, don't seek his hand, right? So what that means is I'm looking for, I'm looking for God. I'm looking for God in everything. I'm not just looking for the handout, right? So my hand will give you whatever you want, right? Like my kids want money for candy or they want whatever you know they, they want the handout right but there's no relationship there david says i'm gonna seek the lord's face whatever comes from his hand i will accept as long as i can see his face and that means that i find god i look for god wherever 
wherever I am. Verse 9. Here's another request, but notice how it's phrased. My heart says to you, seek... Uh, sorry, I'm on the wrong verse. Verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. So we've had declarations of the past in the uh, future, and we've had declarations in the present. Now we have a declaration of his past faithfulness. And where is it placed? Notice here, the, the praise came before the, the balance, right? So I praise before my, my request and what I need and how I seek his face. And now we're reminding the Lord of his faithfulness in the past. You have been my helper. I have seen you come through time and time again, Lord. Don't hide from me, right? Okay, so we have to, sometimes we, we our little sterile brains, like we read the Bible, and we never think about things in different ways, and so we kind of pass over things. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your sermon away in anger. You have been my helper. All right, okay, different. Let me present a different way. Do not hide your face from me. I want to see you, God, right now. I want you to reveal yourself to me right now where I am. Are you looking for Jesus, whatever you're facing? I, don't, I go around every day looking for Jesus. I, I really do. Like, I'm doing my thing, and I'm like, oh, that was the Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, something will happen. I can't even tell you how good God's been to me in the last, like, three to four weeks. I could go on for a while. God is just so good. I look for him everywhere I go. God, don't hide, your, don't hide yourself from me. Show yourself to me in the little ways wherever I go. Show yourself to me so I know you're here. Show yourself to me so I know I'm on the right path. Don't hide from me. That's what David is saying. And that's our prayer. That should be our prayer too. And so this request is not an interrogative. It's an imperative. You do not hide your face. It's like pick up the towel. Don't hide your face, Lord. You've been my help. And this shows that we have no doubt in his character at all. <clears throat> Verse 10. We're getting there. Are you still with me? <laughs> I know you're earning your uh, dinner, your lunch out today, right? Verse 10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. So notice with verse 10, again, it's another declaration about him. Do you, you see this beautiful pattern? Isn't this cool? And this is all just in sitting down with observation of the word. Our, our declaration about him is even though other relationships fail, ours won't. Stop and think about it. Your mother and your father, in an ideal scenario, and I know that there's lots of not great scenarios with parents, but in an ideal scenario, your mother and your father represent probably the closest bond that you could have with anyone. Listen, as parents, like, kids, you irritate us sometimes, and we'd rather just not deal with you, but we still love you, Right? No matter what you do, no matter where, we still love you, right? So here the psalmist is saying the most 
the tightest relationship, the relationship that should never reject me, there might be a situation where that relationship would fail. But even if that relationship fails, Lord, I know that ours won't. The Lord will not reject me. Wow, what confidence, what confidence. Do you have that much confidence in the relationship with Jesus? Because his relationship won't fail. Verse 11 is another interrogative, and it's a request, but there's no question mark. I love English. All right. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Teach me and lead me. Again, it's an imperative. You teach me. You lead me. Why? Because of who God is. Because I know his character is, gonna, is going to teach me and lead me. And so I am requesting that he do that in everything. Verse 12. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. Do not turn me over to whatever. What are you facing right now? What is, what's the worst-case scenario that could happen? God, don't turn me over to the debt collectors. I don't know. Don't turn me over to, you know, don't allow, Lord, don't let this sickness have mastery over my body. Don't turn me over to sickness, Lord Jesus. You know, any, any scenario, what is it that you are working through that you are afraid of? Because he... Listen, he has to be victorious. It's who he is. He doesn't fail at anything. It's not a question of him failing. It's a question of, am I, is my heart knowing that he's not going to fail? I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to, the answer's going to show up. I don't know what God's going to do, but I trust in his character. I know that he's good. I know that he's true. What's written on Jesus' thigh when he comes back? Book of Revelation. Have you been studying it with Pastor Dan and Alan? What's written on Jesus' thigh? Thank you, Pastor Dan. Faithful and true. This is important in the Old Testament, the thigh, right? I don't remember, but I won't get into it now. That is so important faithful and true he's he can't be unfaithful he can't be untrue he can't so okay here in verse 12 false witnesses are rising up about me they're god they're speaking lies about me you're a god of truth you can't you can't stand lies right god can't stand lies lord they're te- they're saying lies about me for who you are and my testimony about who you are. Stand up for yourself, God, <laughs> right? Because that's what it is, right? All right. Verse 13, ready? I am still. We've worked through all of the foes that are after him, the army, the things that are out of whack, the balance you know, of like um, the ratio of like 
good versus evil here. Everything's against me. We've worked through everything. Don't reject me. Show yourself to me. Everything. And verse 13, I am still confident. Ready? What is he still confident of? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let's put that in our own words. I am going to see God's goodness right where I am. In the land of the living. What does that mean? That means the life that we're living right now. Yes, we're going to see the goodness of God in eternity. Right now, where I am, I am going to see the goodness of God. And I look for him everywhere. I always, I'm always looking for God's goodness. There's always good. There's always something to be thankful for. There's, God is always going to show up if you let him, if you ask him. And we have the confidence that in the present and in the future, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What does he say in Psalm 23? Uh, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God's goodness is following you around. Do you have eyes to see it? Do you need eyes to see it? Ask him. Lord, I, lo- I want to see your goodness. I want to see your face in this situation. Because if we're looking for the quick fix answers and we're looking for the hand, we just want the answer, we just want the hand, God do this, God do that, God, that does not spell a long-term relationship with the God who created you and loved you. Right? Last verse. Ready? Here's an imperative, but it shifts. Now, the speaker of the psalm psalm, is not presenting a declarative or an imperative to God or to himself. No rhetorical questions. Here, he's talking to you and me. Wait for the Lord. The subject, you. You wait for the Lord. You take courage. You don't grow faint in heart. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Be strong in your relationship in him. Be, take heart. He is good. He is good. He will come through. And so here we have the writer of Psalms. How many thousand years ago did David live? I don't even know. Echoed through the centuries, Stephanie King David is talking to me. Stephanie, wait for the Lord. He's exhorting me. Stephanie, take heart. Stephanie, be strong. It just gives me goosebumps. Isn't that exciting? That verse was written to you and to me. How awesome. So, Lord, today the Lord wants us to remember, take heart, be strong. He's faithful. And our confidence cannot be shaken. 
if our confidence is in him. So I have a question for you. Where is your confidence when life is hanging in the balance? Moms, dads, sometimes we, you know, parenting, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. It really is. Sometimes it can be a little hard. Sometimes when we deal with aging parents and we have to care for them, it can be a little hard. Sometimes we face difficulties in life and relationships and our marriages, our financial situations, our job situations. You know, the last year has really pulled the rubber band of our life out. And I think all of us, there have been moments that we felt like we were going to snap. And our life has been in the balance. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't know. Pastor Dan preached a wonderful message last week about getting through the storm. There are lots of times it doesn't go away. There's lots of times you have to watch your kids walk through really hard things. God doesn't miraculously take it away. How can we face that? We throw up our hands and walk away? Or do we have confidence in who Jesus is? And that's a question we all have to come face to face with. No matter what happens, How could Job say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? How could he say that? Because he had confidence in the goodness of God. How could Paul, who's been through how many shipwrecks, whipped, beaten, stoned, we saw the list, I'm still going to Rome to face Nero. How can he say that? Yes, he has confidence in his relationship with God. He has confidence in who God is. And he knows God is going to have the last word no matter what happens to me. Whether I live or whether I die, it's all for good. God's going to have the last word. That's okay with me. He promises not to leave us. Have we promised not to leave him? Because I think this is really where we trip up. Have you promised him that you're not going to leave him? One thing that I desire, one thing that I seek is to see the face of the Lord, to dwell in his tabernacle. 
I've promised him that I'm not going to forsake him. Long before I ever met a pastor, long before I ever started doing any kind of ministry or teaching God's word, I promised the Lord, I'm going to stick with you. nothing nothing that will get me to leave his side so today let's take a moment we have reminded ourselves about the goodness of the Lord we have reminded ourselves faithfulness have confidence church have confidence in who he is if you are praying for loved ones to be saved and you haven't seen it yet keep praying because the Lord promises his salvation for everyone don't stop praying Maybe change the way you phrase your prayer because you don't have to beg and you don't have to plead. You know what the word says. Lord, save my friend. Lord, save my family member because of who you are, not because of who I am. Because if God doesn't come through on his promises, what kind of testimony do we have? That doesn't honor God if we say, wow, God never answered this or never answered that. Or, I didn't see him do this. You see, for him, because of who he is, it's because of who he is that he comes through for us. And he's given you this word to declare and he's given you this word to present prayers as imperatives and not interrogatives you don't have to question his goodness let's pray Lord we're so grateful today we are so humbled at who you are all your thoughts toward us are good and loving, says the word. Everything, Lord, that we face, you always are working good. It may not always come the way we want it to, Lord, but we trust in your ways, Lord. We have confidence in your ways that are higher than ours. We have confidence, Lord, in the faithfulness that you have told us you're always going to work everything out for the good of those who love you. And we love you today, Lord. And so today we just take a moment and we confess to you, Lord, that there have been times where we have wandered away a little bit from you you've been faithful to us but maybe in our attitudes maybe our words didn't match our heart lord and we just confess right now we confess right now lord that we're just going to be honest with you in every moment with every emotion and every thought 
that we want our voice to match our heart. And we want the truth of your word to trump everything that we feel or everything that our eyes see. Lord, we want your word to be the last word. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you today as mothers, as fathers, as friends, as daughters and sons, Lord. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. We choose today to have confidence in you. We choose today to declare the goodness of God. We choose today to know and to tell you giving up on you, Jesus. We're not going to leave you, Jesus, because you didn't leave us. We thank you, Father, for this chance that we've had to look at your word, and I, I bless your people today that as they go forth on this beautiful day, that mothers would be honored, and, and Lord, that we would just be able to spend precious time with the people that we love, because that's what's most important. Thank you, oh God, for your church. Thank you, oh God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you have inhabited the praises of our voice today, Lord. And thank you that you go before us. And you are our rear guard and always have goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life. We thank you that we can dwell in your house forever. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.